Hey everybody, I'm Jason, your host of Let Freedom Reign, an equine industry leading podcast that talks to folks from all different walks of life who share their testimony of adversities and perseverance and how the horse has helped them through their journey. Stay tuned. We're going to have a great time. Come along for the ride. Now, for those of you who regularly listen to the show, you know it is very important to us to raise the bar of the common level of horsemanship. In doing so, we like to educate and expose our listeners to some of the greatest horsemen in the world and amazing educational opportunities. Now, Jonathan Field was featured in episode 17 of the 2018 season. Jonathan has two amazing clinics coming up in March in California. The first clinic, Course 1, will be March 9th through 11th, followed by Course 3, March 16th through the 18th. Now, Jonathan limits his clinics to only a handful of riders, so there's a great chance these courses will fill up quick. If you cannot get into the clinic, however, Jonathan offers a more than reasonable price of $25 a day for spectators and is doing a deal of $60 if you pay for all three days. Now, both clinics will be hosted at Marsh Creek Stables, located in Brentwood, California, at 24670 Marsh Creek Road. I can speak from firsthand experience in telling you that this is an incredible facility. There's both indoor and outdoor riding arenas that will be included in the clinic. Feel free to bring a chair, pad, or blanket for comfort while watching the clinic. Additionally, there will be coffee and food on site available for purchase. Now, Marsh Creek Stables is located only a few minutes from town, which gives you access to additional dining and hotels. All clinic days will start at about 8 a.m. and finish around 5 p.m. Now remember, we're all on horse time, so they will dictate when it's time to turn it in for the night. For additional information on this amazing opportunity, I encourage you to visit jonathanfieldhorsemanship.net or email info at jonathanfield.net. I encourage you all to come out and enjoy this amazing opportunity to learn from Jonathan Field. We look forward to seeing you all there, and we're going to have a great time. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Our guest this week is Steph Gillis. Now Steph is the Director of Development for Roar a nonprofit out of Calgary, Alberta. This amazing program serves Canadian youth and senior citizens alike. Throughout the episode, we discuss the development of ROAR, how they serve the youth and the seniors, and how those of you in the local area can get involved. The versatility of the horse is incredible and in how they use them in so many aspects of their equine-assisted learning-based programs. Now, should you find the content of this episode valuable, please share it with a friend. Additionally, your five-star ratings and reviews on the podcast platform of your choice would mean the world to us. You can find us on both Facebook and Instagram under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. I hate to keep you all waiting any longer. Here is Steph Gillis. Steph, how are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, doing well. The weather is starting to finally turn for us here in California. Unfortunately, it's probably not the same up there in Calgary, huh? Well, it's a little bit better. It's about minus 30. It's around minus 10, so it's improved. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I love how minus 10 is better for you. I would say the lion's share of my social circle wouldn't even exist at 10 below zero. We can't handle 20 or 30 on the positive side of the spectrum, let alone below zero. <laughs> yeah. Well, when you live in minus 30, sometimes you get pretty used to it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you just get acclimated like anything else in life, I guess, huh? Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Well, we're definitely looking forward to spending some time with you. Uh, we're very thankful for the time that you have set aside to kind of share a little bit about your story and then the program in which you're the director of development for up there in Calgary. So why don't we start a little bit about maybe what's new around the office, what you guys kind of have going. And then as we get through the show, we'll kind of get into the development of your program and, and how people can, can reach out and help you guys out. 
Sure. So we um, run programs from March until November. We stop for three months in the winter because it is really cold and we get lots of snow. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> so being out, being out in the, yeah, being out in the country, it can be a little bit tough for people to get out here when there's tons of snow. So we yeah. have programs all year round from March to November. Um, so we pick back up in about a week and a half. So we're really excited to start our programs back up and excited to see our clients again. So That's awesome. Good stuff. So let's start with a little bit about you and kind of how your evolution with horses took place and, and how you've traveled your journey with horses. Yeah, so I started riding when I was about 10 years old. My mom got some uh, gift certificates to go do some English riding. And so she took me with her. And that was probably she would consider a big mistake because <laughs> I loved horses after that. And I yeah. had to keep going. And I surpassed her in lessons a long time ago. And uh, I had to keep riding all the way through. So they always had me in lessons. And uh, when I was about 16, I volunteered at a trail riding place and then worked there for two summers in Falcon Lake, Manitoba. And then I worked at Circle Square Ranch summer camp for two summers as a head wrangler. I'm teaching kids how to ride the horses and looking after them. And then I moved to Calgary about 10 years ago. And it's a pretty hard industry to get into in Calgary just because of the stampede and lots of competition horses. Yeah. So I kind of here and there helped people out with their horses. But so many people, either their horses were their pets or they were competition. And so it's kind of tough to get into the horses around here unless you had a lot of time to train. Yeah. Um, and about two years ago, I met Katrina and... Uh, she's the founder of our nonprofit Roar, and that's when I really started getting back into horses was through her. So, yeah, it's been a long time, and I've missed it so much, and I'm so happy every day I get to be around them. So. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> you bring up some pretty common points, but I think they're very, very important we should touch on. First is, I think it's hilarious how many guests mention, you know, hey, you know, my parents just wanted to, to sh- expose me to horses. We went and did a trail ride, or we, w- we went and visited <laughs> yeah. the barn just to see the horses, and now looking back, if those parents knew the financial commitment that they were stepping off to, I wonder if they would travel to the barn that day. Yeah, exactly. Because most exactly. people, right, when it, when it gets in your blood, it's in your blood and, and good luck saving you after that. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. incredible. And then the other point too, I think that you brought up that, that, that's important is that you talk about the clientele in the Calgary area being either hobbyists, right? Their horses are a pet or they're, mm-hmm. they're professionals, right? And yeah. That's hard from two different spectrums, right? Because some of the people that are quote unquote hobbyists, right, might not have the passion yeah. and fire to learn the horse and learn the horsemanship side of things and truly dedicate themselves. Yet the other end of the spectrum where people are paying the bills working with horses, sometimes it's difficult to get through to those clientele or that clientele because uh, they see the horse as a tool, right? They don't want to take the mm-hmm. time to to learn the horsemanship side of things and kind of further that relationship. They just spend the money. And if the horse works out, great. If it doesn't, you just sell it off and you're on to the next one. So I could see where that's a very yeah. difficult predicament, right? To try to try to find your way in. Yeah. When I first moved here, I worked at an English riding barn where the horses were worth like a million dollars. And it was, it was to the point, I didn't work there very long because it was to the point where if the horse went outside and would do anything other than walk, you would have to bring them back in because they weren't allowed to do that because they could hurt themselves. So they spent their entire life in a stall and that yeah. wasn't really what yeah. I grew up with and yeah. wasn't really and I mean I understand it but it was just not Oh absolutely my I understand <laughs> it you know you have a million yeah. dollar commodity running around the last thing you wanted to do is have it cast itself or get hung up on a gate Well exactly something says something yeah. senseless but 
in the same regard, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to let the horse live its life a little bit, right? No kidding. They can't exactly. just run around and bubble wrap the rest of their life. Yeah. <laughs> it sure is crazy, though, the Absolutely. price of some of these horses, you know? Oh, I know. That's so crazy. To even be able to say that I was walking around with million-dollar horses is pretty crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I would, I'd be too scared to even look at them the, ro- the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. So, they were very strict with their rules. So. Yeah, no kidding. Absolutely. <laughs> so in your journey and growing up with horses and stuff, where where did you first find your passion with horsemanship or where did you first have that feeling that horses is where I need to be? Um, well, I think it was really when I started at the trail riding place in Falcon Lake because I was volunteering there for one summer and then I started working there after that. And that was really where because I, I was living there for the whole summer, like in the in the area. And so I really did get to spend a lot of time with the owners of the facility. And they, they taught me how to train horses. They taught me all the basics about horses. And I rode several hours a day to take people on trail rides. And then um, some of the staff would go on rides after work. And so it was just, I was engulfed in that life for two to three months every year. Mm-hmm. And I just loved it so much. It was just, it was an incredible experience and, I loved being there and they were so, it was so amazing that they would just love to teach you and they would tell us, Oh, tonight we're training horses. If you want to come by, we'll be here. You can come and hang out with us. So um, it was really, really neat. And they did everything on site. So they bred their own horses. They raised their own horses. They trained their own horses. So there was nothing that they sent out for. They did everything themselves. And so it was a really amazing place to learn from. I was going to say, it sounds like that's probably where their investment came from, right? Being that everything's homegrown per se, Mm -hmm. a lot of, a lot of outfits that do the trail riding stuff is just they're kind of turnkey operations and they're there kind of for the financial investment rather than investing in yeah. the animals and their people per se. But when you start breeding them and training them and everything's right there on site, uh, you take a little bit more pride in what you do, you know. So it sounds like that was a great opportunity for you to actually kind of learn things the right way and, and learn from people that are truly caring of the horse. Yeah, it was amazing. I will never forget it. It was incredible. And they were so great to me. It was awesome, yeah. That's great. That's great. So Calgary is definitely on my bucket list to get up there during the stampede. So for people, for other listeners who haven't traveled up there, kind of describe the vibe around the Calgary stampede and that whole entire environment because that, that area has just got to explode for those those days yeah, during the Yeah, it's the crazy. Event. Yeah, it's crazy. It gets really, really busy. Um, people are super excited. The um, our, the founders of the nonprofit that I run, they also are big supporters of the Calgary Stampede. So um, it's bigger than Christmas for them. So they they just travel all over. They're they're bringing people to the Stampede, and everyone goes every day. Um, mm-hmm. at, uh, from where where sorry from the nonprofit, everyone goes to the Stampede every day. Whereas before, I used to go once maybe because <laughs> after you've gone once or twice, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, but uh, they insisted. They insisted that I go last year, and so we went. And they just, yeah, it was. It's a lot of fun when you get there. People are really excited to be there. There's people everywhere on family days. There's there's kids running around, and it's so much fun. Um, now that I have a three year old, he loves to go to the stampede. So we always go now. I was going to say it's so much to go. <laughs> yeah, it's so much more than just the rodeo. You know, there's so many other oh, forms for of sure. entertainment, and it truly yeah, is a the, spectacle. Uh, the evening show the evening show i don't remember what it's called but like the show in the evening after the rodeo um is incredible it's amazing that's awesome it's such a cool show well yeah. one one day one day we'll get up there and and experience it firsthand yeah definitely that would be really fun 
So let's let's introduce the program Roar that you belong to. Um, like we mentioned earlier, you're the director of development forum. So what does mm-hmm. Roar stand for? And we'll kind of get into the history of the program and what it offers people. Sure. And see where we go from there. Yeah. So Roar stands for Robinson Outreach at Rivercross Ranch. So Robinson is the last name of the founders, and then Rivercross Ranch is the building that we're located in, um, which I'll describe a little bit more about later. But the mission is to strive to relieve the conditions associated with youth and elderly in need by providing activities relating to equine-assisted learning. So essentially, we serve youth and elderly. So we serve between 8 years old to 18 and then 65 at plus. Um, and we do act, all our activities have to revolve around horses. That's incredible. So how do people get involved, right? Do they have to reach out to Roar or, or is it a referral-based program? Um, currently, we do um, through partnerships. We have different partnerships through um, local organizations like Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Boys and Girls Club. Um, for the seniors, we do Bethany Care Center. And they um, those are the people who give us referrals to our programs. Gotcha. So that's kind of how we've done it so far, just because we only have one full-time staff and one other staff who works 10 hours a week. We are pretty limited in how much we can do at this time. Yeah, yeah. So as we're increasing our programming and increasing our funding, we're excited to be able to expand those programs. So let's talk a little bit about the history and how this program kind of came to be and and how you all were able to breathe a little life into it. Yeah, so it's actually a really cool story. So Katrina and John Robinson were the founders of Roar. um, And the idea was inspired by Katrina's mother-in-law, and her name was Irene Robinson. And she lived on her property in Springbank, Alberta, her whole life. And she loved it so much. It's so gorgeous out here with the views of the mountains and the prairies. It was just incredible. But her spirit was kind of broken when she had to move into an assisted living facility. She couldn't live on her own anymore, and she was just not able to take care of herself. So she had to move into assisted living. And her dream was to bring seniors from her assisted living facility back to her Springbank home for tea. And she was always talking about how she wanted to do this and get people out to be able to see her amazing, the amazing land that she grew up on and that she lived on. Um, But unfortunately, she passed away in 2008 before her dream could be realized. But Katrina shared that dream and she was the one who was able to make it a reality. And they started in 2015 um, as a non-registered nonprofit. And um, yeah, it's just been going since then. So I was going to say, so you guys are only a few years into it. I think it's absolutely incredible when you talk about carrying on the tradition, carrying on the dream, because so many of our nation's elderly, right, when they get into positions where they are put into these skilled nursing facilities and care homes, I think the the biggest trauma in that, right, is losing their independence. Now they have somebody Absolutely. taking care of them. And, and sometimes it's needed, right, for medical reasons or, or whatever it may be. But in my mind, and in, in my opinion, take it for what it's worth, uh, that's that's the biggest hurdle for a lot of these folks is that they lose they lose their ability to live for themselves, right? And and it's oftentimes one of the more devastating sides of it because when their mind starts to go, then their health usually doesn't doesn't follow too far behind. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We had a senior who came out pretty early on to one of our lunches. Like we do senior lunches every week. And um she she was talking to one of our volunteers about how she had just moved into a senior's home about a couple of months ago and she was not liking it. She wasn't enjoying it. She was just, it was a tough adjustment and the volunteer was listening and, you know, just really spent that time to validate her feelings. And she actually started crying and she's like, this is the first time anyone said that it's okay that you're not enjoying this. Yeah. Everyone else in her yeah. life had told her that, 
you know what? You just have to get over it. You know, yeah. you have to, you have to like this. And she was just so happy to have someone say that, you know, it's okay. There's an adjustment period. It's okay to not have fun right now and you'll get used to it and you will enjoy it eventually, possibly or not, but yeah, that's true. You know, no, like you're very right. it's okay to validate your feelings, right? It's okay to not be happy about it. And it was amazing that she hadn't heard that yet. It's incredible, like you know, and it's, it's hard for, it's hard for everybody involved. I think, you know, it's, it's hard for the patient who's going to end up in the facility. It's of hard course. for their family because mm-hmm. the last thing you want to yeah. do is just kind of, this is going to have a not negative connotation to it, but I don't know a smarter way to say it. You know, you're kind of passing the buck on the care of that, that family member, but sometimes right. these medical conditions come about and, and the care is so laborious that the family just can't do it, you know, and, and they need that help. Exactly. And then yeah. like you talked about, now you're stuck in that dichotomy of, you know, how independent are they? How much are they actually thriving and enjoying the environment? And and it's awesome that you mm-hmm. guys give the seniors an out, right? A reason to get up, a reason, something to look forward to every week, you know, make it, make it more yeah. of a social gathering rather than just wheeling down a hallway per se inside a facility. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about kind of the facility of Roar. You said there's quite a bit of history in previous conversations that we've had regarding regarding the building and the land in which you guys use for for your facility uh, the land where roar originated has been a part of the robinson family since about the 1800s um there our building is called Rivercross ranch and it was actually initially built for a cbc tv show called wild roses it was very similar to heartland in the type of show that it was but it, and it aired at the same time but it only lasted two seasons so once it got canceled, CBC offered to tear the building down and put the land back to what it was. But the Robinsons actually decided to keep it because they had a bigger vision. They wanted to do something with the house because it was so gorgeous. So it's actually kind of interesting. The um, when they film movies, I don't know. I didn't know this before, but they the inside of the building was completely fake. Like the kitchen was styrofoam. The whole like everything in the kitchen was styrofoam. Oh, that's hilarious. It was all fake stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so it was just a shell of a building. And so they took the inside, they tore out all the styrofoam and they completed the house with this gorgeous rustic interior. And and then they decided to start a nonprofit out of it. So yeah, so it's really neat. So it's a really, really interesting building. Yeah, I was say it's kind of cool. It's always kind of had the vision of horses in, in the wild. And now that Roar occupies the building, it's obviously going to carry on the traditions and, and it's somewhat of its original intended purpose. Yeah, and we've had people have had weddings here, and people use this an, as an event space on the weekends when we're not here. And yeah, it's just it's just a great place to bring in some extra money as well for Roar to be able to rent it out. So, so we know that Roar has uh, a program that's founded in equine assisted learning. So, what has kind of been the foundation of how you guys use horses as a vehicle to get through to the youth as well as the senior citizens that you serve? Equine Assisted Learning is an 8 to 12 week experiential life skills program. So it's not therapy. What we do here, none of us are therapists, but we've all, um, all of our staff who do Equine Assisted Learning have taken um, the training through um, Equine Connection, which is just located in, in Strathmore, Alberta. And so we you chose to base it off of this because it is a life skills program and um, it's just really, it's a really powerful program. Each child who's a part of the equine assisted learning program is paired with one or two other kids and then they're put through and a horse and then there's obstacles that are set up and then they have to take their whole team through the obstacle. So we use the horse as the teacher because horses are so good at communicating and um, as they take these, their horse through the obstacle, the horse will tell them things that are going on, will communicate with them. 
So to tell you a story, because it's kind of confusing, but um, on my first day of training, um, there were two ladies who were paired up with one horse. And they had to get this horse through this obstacle. And one lady was very forceful. And the other lady was really meek and quiet and kind of nervous, shy, that kind of person. Mm -hmm. And so the person who was really um, leadership driven or whatever you want to call it would just just took charge and was like, this is what we're doing and just started going. And then the other girl who was a little more shy and not so sure about herself was kind of like not sure what was going on. So she was kind of following behind and you could tell that there was this dichotomy happening between them. And that, but you don't step in until the horse speaks. So all of a sudden they go in this, in this obstacle and the horse just won't move, just stops dead. He's been moving for them for 30 minutes and all of a sudden just stops dead and refuses to move. So the facilitator came in and just asked them, you know, what's the horse telling you? And they kind of looked at each other and the quieter one was like, well, I think the horse is confused. And so it gives her an opportunity to speak what she's feeling by projecting onto the horse as well, right? Yeah, Those are yeah. her feelings. But the horse was able to, you know, reflect back how she didn't understand what was going on. And so as the facilitator kind of talked through it a little bit, she shared, the quieter one shared that she didn't understand what was going on. And the more leadership-driven lady was just taking charge and forcing them through this obstacle, even though this maybe wasn't the best way to do it. And so the facilitator encouraged them to discuss what their uh, prompted conversation between them. And they, so they had a little chat, decided how they were going to do it together, how they could each help each other. And the second they did that, the horse did exactly what they wanted. It's incredible. So it was actually like, the, yeah, it was the coolest thing to watch and to see how the horse was just able to communicate with these people so clearly and, and you know, just help them get through that challenge. So it was really neat. That was really cool to me. You know, you bring up a great point and it was brought up uh, in last week's episode with uh, Saddles and Service. They talked very, very similarly about they don't have any, any psychotherapy that goes on in any of their sessions, right? It's just humans and horses mm -hmm. alike. And the premise in which they, they founded that decision on is that they want the human to be as open and vulnerable as they possibly can. And sometimes the psychotherapy portion can raise the walls a little bit, per se, or, or put a person mm -hmm. on defense, you know? So... It's interesting, as I go through this evolution of the podcast, and I talk to so many guests in so many different programs from all over the world now, mm -hmm. we almost got to, I don't know, do we find a better way to kind of reintroduce some of the psychotherapy to increase the effectiveness of it? Or do we just kind of stay the course with some of this horsemanship and equine-assisted learning? Because although there's somewhat limited research in, in why it works, it's just so, so powerful. Mm -hmm. And it's for the reasons that you just described, right? In that exact scenario, people can project their communication on the horse. Other humans aren't offended by it, aren't taken back by it, but it really gives people a chance to kind of open, open themselves up and reflect, you know? So I guess the question would be yeah. in, your, in your program, was there a defining moment as to, hey, we are going to do psychotherapy or no, we're not going to do psychotherapy. And what were the reasons behind that? Um, there has been no defining moment of that as of now. We would love to incorporate that further down the line into programming. But currently, all of our programs are free. We don't charge anything for our programs. And as everyone knows, psychotherapy is not cheap, yeah, especially yeah, with horses. Yeah, yeah. So um, currently, we've just chosen to focus on equine-assisted learning because there is such a high demand for it. And, you know, you can serve more kids at one time. Um, it's definitely not therapy. So there are some kids, you know, who might be coming in expecting that type of, you know, therapy, but it's more of a life skills. And, you know, school boards have also just 
um, learned how experiential learning is so powerful for the kids that um, we actually have some schools who come out here as part of their daily school programming, which is really cool because they're learning things and then they're able to retain it longer because they've actually, you know, did it with somebody. Yeah, no, and so I- it's really neat that way. And there's totally, but there's totally two different and they're both great. You know, psychotherapy is amazing, but they're just a little bit different, right? And I think they could actually partner together and they could do really well um, for some kids who might need a little bit more. Yeah, and that's kind of how I look at it as well, is that my, my yeah. approach is more along the lines of equine-assisted learning, right? I use the mm-hmm. horse to kind of help people find their own way. And I think where the horse is so much more powerful than a human being is that the horse is able to almost timestamp these lessons learned that, that people experience with emotion, right? And, and when you mm-hmm. have that gap bridged, it just solidifies the lesson and their ability to retain it, you know? And, and exactly. I wonder, this is all kind of rhetorical conversation. You know, I wonder that, that I'm sure psychotherapy has its effectiveness, right? Um, yeah. But I guess the bigger question is, does it even need to be interjected or, or in what situations does it need to be interjected or how can they work together as far as equine-assisted learning and then some, some more therapy-based equine programs, you know? Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but that's another conversation for another day or so let's talk a little bit about your guys' approach. You serve the youth, you serve the seniors. How do your programs differ? I mean, what is, what is your focus with the youth? And then is there a different focus or a different mission for the seniors since they are in different seasons of their lives? Yeah, for sure. So our youth do the traditional equine-assisted learning, which is the 8 to 12 week. They put them through obstacles. They're learning life skills. Um, and they're, you know, grouped together with one horse and they kind of work together. And so they come out once a week for an hour for eight or 12 weeks, depending on um, the time of year. Um, and they just go through the program. So every week they learn a new skill. Some of the skills are uh, like team building, leadership, overcoming barriers, those kinds of things, like different exercises that will teach them different skills, building relationships, effective communication, that kind of stuff. And our seniors program is completely different. So we call it equine assisted learning activities because with our seniors it's a a lot different so they come in um on a day so they come in for a two-hour outing they come from assisted or supported living facilities so their facility usually has a bus and they're able to drive them out here um to to our facility um and we seat them at a table and we serve them lunch so they actually have lunch together and then they'll play a game like bingo or uh, we did a Jeopardy kind of thing. And this next coming month, we're doing um, little uh, biography books for them to write about themselves that they can show to their friends and family um, and just do a little activity that they can with a little keepsake that they can take home. We usually get take a picture of them with the horse and we send it home with them. Then after lunch and after the game, they sit around and they just visit with our therapy horses. So we have miniature horses that we use for this program because most of our seniors are in wheelchairs. So the big horses are just a little bit too tall for them. So we use the miniature horses and they just walk around and they just each get turns to visit with the miniature horse. And it's just really cool. It's a lot of fun. And they, so it's not in it in, it's not exactly equine assisted learning, but it's part of the activities of equine assisted therapy or learning. Um, And they just get the opportunity to, you know, get out of their facility. They can do things for free for these seniors that, unheard of you know they 
they're in a facility downtown Cochrane, and it costs them five dollars to get downtown to get to anywhere downtown. Yeah. They still have to pay five dollars. Yeah. So if they want to do anything, they have to pay, and they don't always have the resources to do that. And one of the things that the senior said to us was, they just love the way that they're treated when they come here because usually they feel kind of forgotten. You know, they one of the seniors was blown away that we gave them real cutlery. Like they didn't have to use yeah. plastic cutlery. Yeah, it's, and it was uh, just—it was so sad. That's awful. That that's how they feel. So it's a yeah. tough spot, you know. I I I, I will not chastise any program because I've never been there, right? But, yeah, exactly. But when these things are brought to the forefront, you know, it, it makes you realize how fortunate we are. Um, I think it Absolutely. also kind of puts things into perspective of how sensitive life can be, right? Because yeah. It's coming for all of us at some point, some sooner than others, yeah, you know, exactly. but uh, yeah. what I think is incredible as you describe your program and the services offered is just the absolute versatility. And not only is it a testament to your program, right, but it's a testament to the horse because here you are mm-hmm. serving children, right, in the, in the infancy of their life and, and in some of their more formidable years. And the horse is helping kind of last or leave a lasting impression on them and, and develops maybe skills that their family can't teach, right? Or, or their yeah. friends can't teach to them. And then travel all the way to the individuals in the twilight of their lives. You know, you're still able to provide a service, you know, that makes them feel good and, and gives them life and gives them something to look forward to. It's just, it's incredible how much you guys can, can offer and the vast number of services for, for so many, so many people. Yeah, it's really cool. So I had never worked with seniors before I came here. And, uh, you know, I was kind of a little hesitant about it, not really sure, because I'd never been a part of that before. But they are just so unbelievably thankful. And they just, you know, they're a lot more vocal than you. So you feel really good after you help them. It's good affirmation, right? That you're on the right track. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, they're just so happy and so thankful. And a lot of these people especially in Calgary, you know, they grew up with horses, they grew up on farms, they, they grew up in this environment, and they hadn't been back in one of these environments for a long time. So the first thing they always tell us is about their, you know, the horses they grew up with, and how they miss horses, and how they want to bring the miniature back to their facility so they can, so they can hang out with it longer. And, you know, so it's just really neat for them to be a part of that and some of our seniors you know funny enough we have one senior who keeps coming who's actually allergic to horses oh no kidding. she just loves the environment yeah she just loves the environment she loves the company um she loves the lunch she loves our volunteers and so she just keeps coming she can't pet the horses but she <laughs> she just keeps coming because she loves it so much i was gonna so. say but she's still yeah she's still getting something so valuable out of it yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's absolutely incredible. So being the program was developed, you said 2015, correct, is when, when things start, kind of got started with Roar? Yeah, so they started really just with a couple lunches here and there, and some they did some day camps for youth during that time. But we got our CRA number officially, like our, we're officially a nonprofit now, um, a charity, um, in July 2017. Oh. So this past year, 2018, was our first full year of programs. Um, and yeah, I started in June, 2018. So, and, um, so that's what my next question was going to kind of allude to is how was your history and your background, right? Growing up with horses and all that, how has that helped, helped develop you into the role that you're in today? And, and let's talk a little bit more about your role as director of development. What does that entail for Roar? (laughs) 
Well, uh, that entails pretty much everything. <laughs> I am the only full-time staff. So Katrina does a lot as the founder. She does a lot of stuff. She does mostly the financial background, you know, looks after the board and stuff like that. And um, helps. she has her hand in everything. She is so generous and so great with does she's this place wouldn't be what it was without her um but i do all those all the other everything else so <laughs> i help plan the events we um i help i run all the programs because i am the facilitator on site we are certifying another facilitator this year so we'll have two facilitators which is really exciting but i run all the programs i help with all the senior lunches um, i recruit all the volunteers i do all the fundraising i do all the grant writing I do all the reporting, <laughs> all the surveys, the list. I look after, I look after the horses. <laughs> I was going to say, I appreciate you elaborating on that answer because you, you probably could have just answered that question with everything and then we've just been done and on to the next question, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much fun, though. I love it so much. So I actually came from Big Brothers Big Sisters. Okay. And so I worked in the, ru- the rural area yeah. for Big Brothers Big yeah. Sisters, the outskirts of Calgary. And so I was a part of kind of those event planning that we had to do, the grant writing and that kind of stuff, because I have a social work degree. And so um, I was a part of all that. Um, but, you know, it just wasn't what I was super passionate about. I've always been interested in equine therapy, equine assisted learning, that type of stuff was always something that I wanted to do. I actually wrote, I, wa- I applied for my master's in social work and wrote that in my Oh, no kidding. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Oh, I didn't cool. get in, but I didn't need it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need my um, And so now it's funny that like seven years later, here I am doing what I had wanted to do years and years ago. Yeah, so. the exact thing that would have been the uh, the thesis for your master's. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That is good stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. So I, I caught that early on in the conversation. You know, you say that, that, that Roar has one full-time employee, but yet you describe all these services and everybody you serve. And, and you now have made mention about recruiting volunteers. So how does how does one become involved in Roar or how does one help out and what are the numbers of people that you need to support some of these events? Yeah, so we have an incredible, we have a really great board of directors and they're really helpful in everything that we do. And we have an amazing volunteer base. So we, we do three senior lunches, three to four senior lunches a month and we need eight volunteers, eight to 10 volunteers every time. And we are rarely short. We have incredible, which is amazing because all of our programs take place during the day. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so you can day. get you can get so people have, during normal business hours, per se. Yeah, yeah. So we have some incredible, uh, we just have an incredible volunteer base. But we're always looking for more volunteers, of course, as is all nonprofits. But, um, and one of the really neat things is this year, for the first time, um, a business is actually coming out to one of our senior lunches. And they're taking over the whole day. So um, that's really neat as well. So we're planning to do a little bit more of reaching out to businesses that would be looking for opportunities to bring their staff together as kind of a team building activity, but also a volunteer activity to give back. So yeah, that's really exciting. And all the people that are involved with Roar, they're just so great. So this business that reached out to us to volunteer was through someone who knew someone who knew someone who had volunteered here. (laughs) So it was like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah, so it's really neat. So the people... The people that are involved with Roar, we are just so thankful for every single person that comes out and helps out because our programs wouldn't be what it is today without our volunteers. It's absolutely incredible when you start to think about, you sit back and, and really ponder the reach of 
of all of this when we talk about horsemanship and how horses help people. Uh, I, I tell people one of the greatest unintended benefits of this show is just the network that starts to take mm-hmm. place, right? And we, yeah. being the show, are now getting to the point where for the lion's share of the United States and Canada, there is always a direction that we can steer you. You know, we might not have the greatest answer or we might not know the exact person, but we can at least get you in contact with somebody that might have the better answer. And that's the most empowering, mm-hmm. the most empowering journey in all of this is that you know, it's raising that level of awareness, trying to educate the best we can and expose as many people as we can to the benefits of the horse and, and, and how we can further develop and educate ourselves. And it's very powerful to see how the reach is starting to take place. And it sounds mm-hmm. like you, you guys have had similar experience as well when you have a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend reaching out via business yeah. and, and now you have a set of volunteers for an event. Yeah, it's very cool. It's really neat. So how can you know, horses are just so sorry. Horses are just so cool. Like our miniature horses are only three or four years old. They're super young and they're the most rambunctious horses ever. You would never picture them in this type of scenario. But when you bring them around those seniors, they are different horses. Isn't it funny how they just are so young. Yeah. They just know they are. Yeah. They just know. And they are, they're calm. They're relaxed. They just love to be around the seniors and they just, they get right in there. They get all nosy with them. And it's really, really funny. It is really funny. What an incredible experience for everybody. How cool the horses are. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit more about for folks that want to get involved or folks that want to learn more about your program and the story and the history. I know we've alluded to a little bit of it on this show. Where can people go for Mm -hmm. more information or how can they get more involved if they're in the Calgary area? Um, yeah, so everything is on our website. So our website is www.roarr.org. Um, and so all of this information with the history and the benefits of EAL, kind of the research of equine-assisted learning is all on our website. So if people want to learn more about equine-assisted learning, um, I'll put a little plug out there for Equine Connection. They do training all over Canada, United States. They're, they're doing training in New Zealand as well. Um, and they facilitate people for equine assisted learning. And it's only a one week program and it is life changing. I would highly recommend it to anybody who is interested in doing it. So what's incredible about this equine connection program is that literally in one week's time, right? You can get enough of a foundation to start putting your, putting your feet on the ground and making a difference. So it's extremely mm-hmm. powerful resource and, uh, I highly encourage folks to look into it. And and before we get into Roar's website and social media and all of those avenues, I just want to kind of ask you, in your reflection, in your journey with Roar, what has been one of the most impactful moments in your journey? Or what is the most one of the most memorable experiences that you have? So uh, before, our, before uh, an event that we had, we decided to go to the seniors' home and interview some seniors about what the what impact roar has had on them so we talked to a couple of our regulars who come out pretty regularly and we weren't sure what to expect um but they had the most incredible things to say this one lady said that it's the highlight of her month she looks forward to it that's the main thing she looks forward to there's other things she does like she has family who comes to visit but her number one thing that she looked forward to the most was coming out to one of her senior lunches And one of the other guys was just, he loved, he told, he shared how he just loved to share his stories. He loved the people that were there. 
because he could tell these stories that he's probably told to everyone around him. But we were new people and we were asking questions and our volunteers showed interest in their life and they were able to share those experiences and those stories that they maybe haven't shared in a while. Or maybe people already knew them and they didn't have anyone else to share them with. And they just love to be able to share about those things and just be meeting new people. And um, everyone shares about how they love the horses. They just love being around the horses and seeing them. And it just, you know, it takes them back to their youth. And that was super incredible in terms of the seniors programs. That was like unbelievable when we did that. It was just life changing. Everyone cried. <laughs> I was going to say it's it's you think about that generation, right? The, the seniors now. Yeah. There wasn't social media and email and all this stuff, right? There was so much more. Their social atmosphere was human interaction, and and you guys mm-hmm. are able to offer a lot of that, and and the horse helps to kind of facilitate some of that. Yeah. I was going to say it's just great that you can keep. You can keep them relevant and keep them thriving in in their in their latter years. Yeah, absolutely. And we would every week we took pictures of them, we printed them off with them with the horse and you know, we never really knew what happened to them, to those pictures. And when we visited their room, every single picture that they had of them with a horse was up on their wall. Just plastered everywhere. I, yeah, we were just blown away we didn't realize that that's how much it meant to them so that was really cool yeah what a fulfilling moment for everybody right for them receiving the participation and then for you guys obviously facilitating the participation it's got to be got to be a phenomenal experience yeah absolutely it's a lot of fun so as we kind of wrap up and get towards the latter part of the show let's talk about the website let's talk about fundraising volunteering how people can become more involved with Roar and and help facilitate some of your guys' programs? Yeah, so all our information is up on our website. Roar is spelled with two R's, so R-O-A-R-R. So our website is roar.org, and all our social media is at roar.org. So we have Facebook and Instagram, um, and we are active on both of those all the time, posting pictures and posting kind of things that we do. Um, and if people want to get involved, you can reach out to us through our website or our social media and someone will get back to you. Um, We have volunteer opportunities pretty much almost every week. And we also have weekend opportunities with our special events and stuff like that. So there's always things going around on here that people can get involved in. Um, As for fundraising, of course, we're always looking for for funds to increase our programs because we offer free programs. Traditionally, equine assisted learning is $65 per youth per week. So it's actually a very expensive program to access. And so to be able to offer it for free is really incredible. And so, um, but we, we are always looking for funders to increase our reach and to be able to increase the kids that we are able to access and um, increase our programming. So, It's absolutely incredible what you guys do. It's, it's amazing the uh, amount of people that you serve. It's amazing the, the amount of services that you provide. It's incredible that you have one full-time employee swinging all of it, <laughs> but hats off to everybody that volunteers, hats off to everybody that helps support financially, because like you said, this is all mm-hmm. very, very demanding and labor-intensive stuff, and to be able to provide these services for free is just absolutely incredible. It's just an amazing opportunity for people to to become involved in. In closing, I like to let every guest kind of share their words of wisdom. And I know we talked a little bit about your history. We've talked a lot about the Roar program and you've developed a lifetime of service. Do you have any words that you would like to share with guests or or mottos that you live by to help kind of fuel your passions in life? I think for 
for me, probably what makes a big difference is it's not necessarily any words I live by, but being a part of something bigger than yourself. So being here at Roar, when we have programs going on and when we, you know, sometimes when we're all kind of feeling down, we just look forward to that seniors day and that day where those kids come out and we're able to brighten their day. And after that, you know, you just, you just realize that not everything in your life is as big as it seems because there's always other people out there, you know, who are going through something as well. And just to be able to help even just a little bit, be able to help people um, in their life is just, it's incredible. It helps you feel good about yourself. It helps you um, feel good about what you're doing. And it just, you know, really lifts your spirit. I think it's absolutely amazing that that is the point that you brought up in closing, because I first learned of that motto of investing in something greater than yourself from Inky Johnson a few years ago. He's a football player and suffered a devastating injury and has an amazing story and now does a lot of pub- public speaking and motivational speaking. And once once he was able to share that with me and I received that message, life has been so much more valuable when you invest in others. And that was a lot of the driving force in the start of this podcast. I had no aspirations of doing what I'm doing now. But I was able to feel some amazing feelings with the horse and learn some amazing things. And if I could help one more person feel any of it or learn any of it, you know, I think it's a it's a mission well served. So again, we thank you very much for your time with everybody here at Let Freedom Reign Podcast and sharing your story. It's been an incredible journey. Hopefully the contingency will continue to grow and we're definitely looking forward to everything Roar has to offer in 2019. So you got to make sure you keep us all in the loop. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. All right, Steph, we'll talk down the road. Sounds good. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again, everybody, for listening to this episode of Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, you can find us on social media under Let Freedom Reign Podcast. If you want to support the growth of this podcast, go to patreon.com forward slash Let Freedom Reign Podcast. Again, we thank you, and we'll see you on the next one.